0: Hello and welcome to Cut the Bull. I am Charles Love alongside my co-host Shamika Michelle. Will did not make the trip. We were hoping this would be the first remote where all of us are together, but this is a tremendous conference. We're uh, coming to you from the old Overland Conference. And to talk about why we're here and the wonderful things we're doing, we have a A frequent guest, you know, previous guest, Jason Riley here from the Manhattan Institute, one of the organizers. So, Jason, welcome. Thank you for having me. You you didn't get a will, but you did get a Riley. There we go. I'm almost there. (laughs) So can you tell everyone the importance of why you all, the great organizers who put together this conference, why you felt it was important to do it? Because we want to have some
1: honest, frank open discussions about uh, racial inequality, social inequality, economic inequality in this country that we don't think are taking place. Um, We think the prevailing narrative out there is very one-sided. We think there are different ways of looking at these issues. And uh, we thought we'd put together some academics, some practitioners, some journalists like myself, and have some uh, open conversations about what's driving these, these differences and how best to go about narrowing these differences. So, so that was really the point of the conference. There was a similar conference held uh, more than 40 years ago uh, called the Black Alternatives Conference. It was held at the Fairmont Hotel in San Francisco. It was organized by a scholar named Thomas Sowell the Hoover Institution. Uh, Sowell is now in his 90s, mm-hmm. and uh, we thought, given uh, the, the, the deep divisions in this country today, along race, along class, along politics, it was time to to host another uh, such uh, convention, and, 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 and so that's why uh, we put this together.
0: And one of the important things about that, you mentioned the previous con- when we when we had you on before, you were talking about your book, Maverick, and talking about Tom Sowell. And one of the interesting things you're talking about here is the fact that the same issues they were talking about then, we're talking about now. And Shamika and I, we talk about that constantly on the podcast we've had. John McWhorter, we pulled an article uh, from 20 years ago he wrote Mm -hmm. and said, you said that these were the problems and you said this is what we should do to address it. 20 years later, has anything changed? So have many things, obviously there have been gains, but as a whole, the complaints, the things we're working on, the gaps and the discrepancies, have they changed since 1980?
1: There have been changes. There has been some progress in some areas. There has been some retrogression in other areas. Um, I mean, since 1980, you know, we elected a black president in this country twice. Um, I mean, that's not nothing. Uh, But in terms of, of closing these gaps, um, between uh, uh, the races on education, on income, on, on, on crime, on, on, on employment. Uh, we have not seen the gains that I think uh, we all would like to see. Um, and, and so I think what we've been trying, that's evidence that it hasn't been working. And maybe we need to rethink how we approach these problems. And and I think one of the problems is that we haven't put a lot of thought into doing that. We put more thought into doubling down on what we've been trying, saying, oh, it just means we need more resources, or, or we just need uh, more time for this to work, and so forth. And, and as you say, it's been 40 years, it's been 20 years. It's been a long time. So maybe we need to fundamentally rethink some of our approaches. And that's part of uh, the conversation we wanted to get started at this conference.
0: So, Samika, what do you think about that? We talk a lot about, obviously, race and culture, but I get a sense that you were getting to the point that you think that the way it's being communicated is not helpful. It's a waste. You seem to be really bothered by people not being able to tell the truth. That's one of the things people love about the podcast is that Shamika's always telling the truth. So, what do you think about how we're approaching? Uh, what you've seen that may have been different about what some of the speakers here have said?
2: First of all, let me say to know that it was 40 years ago and 1980 was 40 years ago. I'm like, "Mm." it just shows that how old I am.
0: (laughs) How old is that? And I'm
2: like, oh, gosh, that's a a reminder. I'm thankful to be here. Mm -hmm. But I do think that... It has gotten better and I think that's one of the things that we have to acknowledge a lot of times I feel like especially on the left They act as if we are still living in the times when you couldn't go out and vote when they had water hoses or dogs or You know, and so that's one thing that I make sure that I let my kids know You didn't go through what your great-grandmother went through and so you have to acknowledge that there have been huge Changes and we've moved forward Forward so much and you can actually pick up the ball and keep running and keep running forward and so I do think there have been great changes that we do have to acknowledge we don't have to keep singing we shall overcome in so many ways we have overcome and I think we will continue to I want to say I appreciate you all for putting this together and continuing to run with uh, Thomas Sow's vision and because it's been a joy for me just to see so many men and it's especially black men who actually, because in so many circles, it's like they've kind of just checked out. Mm-hmm. And so to to see so many black men, it's like a sigh of relief. I'm used to going to places where it's predominantly women mm-hmm. running the show. Mm-hmm. They're in charge. It's their way or no way. But here it is. We had men come together to put this on, to want to find solutions for the black community. And I, for me, that makes me be able to exhale a little bit.
1: That I, I'm, I'm so appreciative of you bringing that up because when we were putting this together uh my wife said to me you need to get some women <laughs> more women involved on the panels or speakers you need more gender balance here um Uh, It it had never occurred to me, Mm -hmm. Um, but I I, I hadn't thought about it the way that you you think about it, Um, that uh, uh, this was somehow showcasing the engagement of black men in a way that you don't often see in these black communities where women are taking the lead. So I I, I appreciate that observation. Um, I I did want to say one thing. Um, You're right. Blacks have made progress. And as Thomas Sola said, Although blacks have made progress, whites haven't stood still, mm. <laughs> and so that's why we still see gaps. Right. And, and 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 that's 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 the problem. And and the other problem I think we've seen is is we have this racial grievance industry in America, Mm -hmm. that's only gotten larger Mm -hmm. and stronger and more powerful and more controlling of the narrative. That hasn't gone away. And I think that in and of itself is a problem. The civil rights movement has turned into an industry if not a racket. Mm-hmm. And and that is what we are seeing today. So you have a lot of pretenders out there who don't want to acknowledge that anything okay. has gotten anything any better. Right. Because it, it could put them out of business. It could make them irrelevant. It could it could make it more difficult for them to raise money for their cause mm-hmm. to admit that the problems of fifty years ago are not the problems of
0: today. And that's a big problem. Well, let me ask you about this, because part of it is you have some brilliant minds here, uh, not just the organizers and sh- you and Shelby Steele, Glenn Lowry and, um and— who am I leaving? Ian, 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 my Ian, buddy Ian, Ian Rowan. Yeah. But also the people on the panel. I mean, everybody in the room, even the people yeah. aren't, who aren't on stage. And, and they have unique approaches, different ideas. We don't. It's not like this is some conservative event where everybody thinks the same way. But one thing that, I wanna, I wanna put this one uh, to you and see what you think about that. One of the things, as I listen to people here and I'm thinking, you talk about the grievous industry. We all know it's there. Couple names have come up, I won't mention them. <laughs> but here's an approach. Do you what do you think about this? Maybe we're never going to change their minds, even though I question whether they really believe the things that they're saying. But they're making money doing it, so maybe we should start to adjust and not address. Well, you have to address some of the things they say because it's foolish, but not spend so much time addressing what they do, but attacking the people who make the grievous industry. You know economically sound for them so they're not paying themselves right so right. we should no. attack no. the people no. who and and guilt and, and 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 shame the people who are funding them for this nonsense that
1: that is one approach i mean we live in a in a, in a free market society and maybe these folks are just responding to incentives there's a market out there <laughs> for blaming black problems on white people right. mm-hmm. and so if there is money to be made someone is going to go make some money doing that um i think we can do two things one week we can we can Encourage people to look at the evidence, not the intentions of policies that are put in place, but what has actually happened. Educate people about what's happened in the past when these policies have been put in place, what's been promised, and then what actually happened, what came to pass. Uh, uh, did it work out, as the proponents said, or not? Point to the evidence, point to the data. And, and a lot of the people we invited to this conference, that's what they deal in, right. data, mm. evidence. Logic, not emotion, not what we think should happen or hope will happen, but what has actually happened. Where is the evidence? And I think, you know, by and large, uh, Americans are rational people. And and, and if you can point out uh, what's worked and what hasn't worked to them and make your case, uh, you've got a good chance of persuading them. One problem we have is we don't control the narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 the left is largely in control of the media mm-hmm. they're largely in control of academia they're largely in control of, 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 of the, 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 the uh, intellectual prizes that it hand, the genius grants that are handed out and, and, and that allows them to control the narrative regardless of whether what they're saying makes any sense or has been tr- proven true or false mm-hmm. and so um, there is a messaging Issue and and I think it's been exacerbated with social media, where where you can you can take an incident that's rare, give it a lot of attention, and make it seem like it happens all the time. Right. Right. Um, and and so yeah, there are some challenges there, but I think I I, I do have uh, some abiding faith <laughs> in the American people to um to 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 uh, uh, look at the facts, look at the evidence, if we can get that in front of them.
0: Well, I won't take too much of your time, so I'll end with that. So what do you think the great the biggest takeaway is going to be from this. I mean, obviously, it's, we're not even done. It's just been completely yeah. phenomenal. But yeah. what do you want people to walk away from this uh, thinking and learning? What, what I'm
1: really hoping is, 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 is not so much that the people here get the message, but that this conference gets some attention um, uh, in the media. And and, and, what, and what I want that attention to, to demonstrate is that, and I will name some names, that you're, that your Nicole Hannah Joneses, your Tanahisi Coates, your Cornell West, your Ibram Kennedys are not the last word, the right. final word. Mm-hmm. on these subjects. They do not represent black thought or black thinking or uh, uh, on these issues. And, and, and there are other ways to think about these things. And I want people to know there is a diversity of opinion among black people and among minorities in terms of how to approach these problems. And I think if we can get that out there
0: and that across, uh, we will have accomplished something here. And now we're joined by Ayan Hirsi Ali, the great uh, senior fellow at the Hoover Institution. Ayan, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you very much. Also, thank you for promoting me. I'm not a senior fellow, just oh. a research fellow. No, nah, let's but go that's senior. Fine. Nah, I decided you're senior.
0: <laughs> okay. The senior, the most senior fellow. <laughs> um, well, I wanted to talk to you because I think as I talked to Jason that this is important, but we all have different ideas of what we wanted to get from here, from this and why we thought it was important. So why do you think it was important for you to be here?
3: It was extremely important for me to be here because I really wanted to listen and understand what African-Americans whose ancestors came here as slaves were brought here against their will. Um, what they have to say about race relations in the US, about disparities that we see, Um, I'm of course very much impressed by all the accomplished people here at this conference. I wanted to know how they got here and how we can help, um, black people in America, um, achieve what the people I have seen these two days have achieved for themselves.
0: So it's definitely a different narrative than what we hear, what you see and what you hear here than what you see and what you hear in the media, right?
3: Absolutely. And, uh, I, uh, like many other black people, um, I'm really um, frustrated with and very tired of having to hear over and over again that just because you are black, you are a victim of. Racism, you're a victim of our forces beyond your control. We're told over and over again that we have no agency. I'm raising two black boys here, and I don't want them to hate America. I don't want them to believe that America is a racist country. I think, like a number of people said earlier today, that America really is the greatest country in the world. Um, The history of slavery is true, and it was abhorrent. Segregation, true and abhorrent. But it's also really the only society in history that fought a war to end it. Mm. The story of emancipation is the story of America. And it is lethal for all of us to forget, especially black people.
0: Mm. Now, I don't want to be presumptuous, but I'm Sensing an accent. So I'm thinking you probably weren't born here. Everybody knows. And your most recent book, *Pray*, is interesting. So I wanted Shamika to be, you know, ideally, to because when you talk about disparities, all the disparities that we talk about in our culture today, uh, the grievance industry, as some would talk about, or complaints, isn't just race. There are others. So, I mean, Shamika, what did you want to say about the gender issue?
2: Well, American women, to me, are such whiny (laughs) crybabies. They complain about every single thing. And I feel like, as women here in America, we have it great. And when I see them crying in the streets, whining about not having rights, which is, that's absolutely false, it makes me angry because I know there are women in other cultures who are having their genitals mutilated, you know, who can't make decisions for themselves. And so how do you... Feel about the way you see American women carry on about us us being oppressed when we we're not.
3: So I want to say that is another media thing, which is a small minority of very loud voices in the mainstream media carry on about women being victims of help us all all sorts of things unimaginable things here in america but i think the majority of american women are strong women and i think that they are aware of the fact that they do live in An exceptional society where, if you compare it to where I come from, little girls are subjected to female genital mutilation, girls are locked up, Uh, uh, young girls are forced to marry people that are two, three, four, five times older than they are. Um, Women in many parts of the world are not recognized as equal human beings. If they're even recognized as humans at all, Mm. I still come from a culture where young women are traded, you're sold to your future husband and your family accepts the money and you have no say whatsoever in your own destiny. So I think it's it's another media thing mm-hmm. where we focus a lot on what is wrong with America for women and I think there is plenty. But compared to the rest of the world, it is an exaggeration of such proportions that yeah, you do some I do have to turn off the media to cope with it. Yeah.
0: Well, well yeah. see that's part of the problem because I think if we all, a lot of the people here that I'm impressed by is not just the intellect, which is, is, is in abundance, but it's that people get the problem and they want to get to solutions. Like, let's stop with all the rhetoric and get to solutions. But how do you get to solutions when people don't want to focus on reality? So we talk a lot about reality and crime. We talked about, we talk about race. And, and to piggyback on her question about gender, obviously the things you mentioned are abhorrent, right? But there's another factor. Like we we talk about women we just want to have the same opportunities as men men, in a culture where literally men struggle with so many more things. Now, obviously there's discrimination against women in certain areas, certain types of jobs, but we're talking women are more likely to get college degrees than men, more likely to get graduate degrees. But at the same time, men are more likely to drop out of high school, drop out of college, get shot, shoot someone, go to jail, commit suicide, all these other things. So- If you take it as a whole, then as you say, the media narrative is ignoring a large swath of facts. So this is kind of what the whole thing is about, whether it's gender or race or criminal justice. It's how do we get people to take facts in reality and use that as their premise as, as opposed to emotion?
3: I think we have to go on the offensive. I think we have to fight back. I think we have to recapture the institutions of information and knowledge. I think that... Uh, We need to do this together, and I think we need to take them seriously because they're destroying the soul of America and what America stands for. If you convince anyone with any kind of skin color that they're the victim of something, you you take their agency away. Women, if they're also going to believe that they can't deal with freedom, it is absolutely true. In human history, women were oppressed and continue to be oppressed in many parts of the world, but in America women are not oppressed anymore. That doesn't mean, I'm, I'm not saying there are no problems at all for women, I'm saying we're not oppressed anymore. So as be still said over and over again, we have to embrace freedom mm-hmm. and we have to, uh, to 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 learn to live as free individuals with agency. And for those of us who know this, women, men, um, homosexual people, people, even transgender people, once you understand that that grievance industry is profiting like parasites of very vulnerable communities, I think what we need to do is take the fight to them.
0: Yep, totally true. Well, uh, I appreciate your time. It's been great. Uh, Ayaan Hirsi Ali, not senior, fellow at uh, Hoover Institution and the AHA Foundation, you have right. Yes. And your latest book is *Pray*, right? Yes. So pick up *Pray*, P-R-E-Y, talking about the women's issue in, in migrants and well, immigrants. Well,
3: very in briefly, Europe. it is about immigrant men who come from societies where they're not used to respecting women, and they come to places like Europe, and they behave badly towards women. And the people who say they speak for those immigrant men are making excuses or just because they come from terrible societies they had a terrible. they give make excuses for them to attack women and i'm saying no, no 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 the fact that you were born in syria or afghanistan or somalia and that you had a terrible you know history doesn't give you an excuse to rape women to hurt women uh, to assault women and to make women feel unsafe.
0: And quickly, isn't that similar to what we I mean, obviously that's more extreme, but here where we gotten to the point that we, we condone bad behavior, and so someone shoots or stabs someone, and the response isn't, man, we need to get that violence person off the street. It's, well, before we start putting people in jail, we need to understand what their lives are like and understand why they do it. Not That's not true. It makes no sense because it's... And what I say is, it's not that I don't have, murder is kind of extreme, but it's not like I don't have empathy or or, or sympathize with situations that people have been in that caused them to do bad things. But I feel that people pay more attention and are more concerned with the rights and the feelings of the criminal than the people that they that they harm. Right. And that's the problem. And it seems similar to that 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 no one says anything or they defend them, which is even worse. And what are the politicians in Europe doing who are all, are they you know cowtowing like they do here and just allowing it to happen?
3: Yes, it's the same. It's similar in many ways because it's the development of narratives. It's the development of a false narrative that turns the situation upside down where you say He is a victim. He's a woman who's been assaulted by a gang of men, and it was done ruthlessly. And you want them to ask the public to feel sorry for him, for the perpetrators, instead of the victim. And then the answer is, I think here in America, it is, yeah, Look at the history of systemic racism and the structures that are all against. So this person couldn't help himself, had to commit these crimes because there is structural racism. And it says, oh, it's structural colonialism. So the narratives never end that make excuses for people and their bad behavior. And it's these bad behaviors that need to stop if you want, um, you know, if you want true emancipation. I have a
2: question before you go. Do you think if we uh, publicly mutilated men's genitals, uh, that that would cut down on rape and assault?
3: I am against the tit for tat approach to these things. So, yeah, for centuries, women, you know, men have been hurting women. I don't think the answer lies in. Oh, now it's our turn to hurt them. Mm-hmm. Let's cut their genitals off. Oh, they say you know, white people have enslaved black people, so now it's our turn. Black people are going to have to hurt. No, I think that kind something. of something. A-
2: so like, if a man rapes, you mean a woman, Yeah, like mm-hmm. not just to say, oh, men have been terrible. Let's do this to men. I mean, like, if you go out here and you rape someone, and you know the consequence of that could be you get castrated. I think it would cut down on the crime of rape. I think that's something we should think about.
3: I think we should not think about it. <laughs> I, should I don't not think about that at no, all. I think we, we have, we've, we've come a long way, uh, on the lane of civilization. We have decided to, um, ditch cruel and unusual punishments. I think we should raise these boys differently. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when they commit crimes i think we should hold them accountable you know the, enforce the laws that we have the laws that we have i am i don't think we should be imprisoning people just because it's great to imprison people it's not great to imprison people it's bad for society it's expensive it's bad for the person who's incarcerated mm-hmm. uh, but it, it you have to have a system of justice that functions and a system with no tools of accountability is not going to function. So I think we do, we have to hold the perpetrators responsible and punish them accordingly. But I don't think we should resort to castrations and... <laughs> I guess
2: that's why I'm not in charge. <laughs> <There you go. laughs>
3: I understand where the sentiment is coming from. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Jan, thank you very much.
3: Thank you. Thank you very much for thank having you. me. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you.